0: beyond the mic with sean Dillon. we're joined on the star line by a man of many talents he's been a storyteller tour manager and a songwriter you just get her done especially his album the way back on the road and heading to a town near you we welcome jeremy mccomb
1: oh thank you so much and thank you for having me on bro i appreciate it so much dude how are we
0: absolutely great jeremy let's go beyond the mic dad husband on the road you're on the road more than you are at home. Family is traveling with you this summer. How important is having them there with you while you can?
1: Man, it's, uh, well, it means everything. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things where we spend so much of our life on the road. I just got back from, you know, being on tour in Europe where you can't have the family with you. And in the summertime, when you get the opportunity to, to have your kids and, and your wife out, and I'm still blessed to have the crew and the band that I have because everybody in my entire organization are kind of uncles, you know, to my kid. It really is just such a blessing to be able to have them out and have them be able to experience this. You know, this is a life I could have only dreamed of as a kid. So to be able to have your your boys kind of growing up, spending their summers out on the road and meeting such amazing people, it's just, uh, it's just such a blessing. How do you balance family and recording the way back? Um, you know, that really is, is something that, comes from you know being able to be at home a little bit, being able to write. I don't write really well on the road. I've, I've tried it. When I get home, it's it's really comes down to having a crazy understanding wife who, after you've been on the road for three weeks and you come home and you have days full of writing appointments and sessions and trying to find that common theme. I think that's the thing that I'm always looking for with everything I write, where it's like, okay, which grouping of songs here tells a story and where's the arc and and how do we package this whole thing together as more of a an entire project where it's not just song to song to song to song as much as it is an experience where you get the album and you're like wow it's nostalgic or it's well it's a rowdy album or it's a honky-tonk record or whatever just making sure that the story lines up you know
0: Jeremy what makes writing so much easier at home and where are you the most creative
1: um, I think it's just less moving parts. You know, when, when you're at home, it's like, you've got your comfort zone around your friends, you're in your truck. You know, right now I'm, I'm in a town that I haven't spent a lot of time in. I'm in a bus, which is home until you walk out of it. And you never really know where your door opens up to, which is a great way to find inspiration. But for me being able to, to harness it, it really takes being somewhere familiar and, and, you know, just. So much easier just to go to your favorite coffee shop and on your way down and, and write and do all those things and i think that's probably the thing that makes it so much easier for me being home
0: six generations of music in your family how has the influence from your family helped and hurt you
1: uh yeah i, I joke with everybody i'm like you know it's a long line of losers uh, six generations worth of pickers and i think the the most amazing part of it is you know feeling that connection to the, you know, the people that you come from and the background you come from and, and being able to tell those stories. And, and I've made it the furthest in my family, uh, when it comes to to doing this, you know, as a, as a career, most everyone in my family toured and they, they did their thing, but it it never was what it has been for me. And so I think that that's the best part of it. The the hardest part I think is, you know, I don't really quitting school so early and, being able to do the amazing things we've been able to do. I think that sometimes you didn't get those transformative experiences all the time. Like I, I, you know, I didn't go to high school because I went on the road and started playing music. And so, you know, when my friends talk about homecoming or, you know, proms or those things in songwriting, I, it's it's stuff that I'm really only getting from watching movies about it because I, I, I didn't experience it. Now, with that being
0: said, do you feel these missed opportunities help you in a different way, living on the road and you gain something that you wouldn't have found in a classroom normally?
1: Yeah, I think, I, I think that I've been able to keep this kind of childlike naivety of believing everything's possible and I'm not putting down the school system or anything like that. But in, in my experience, when I was in school, you know, it was very stand in line, do this, sit down, be quiet, finish this test, do your homework, you know? And I, I didn't really, I didn't do well when I did have to do that. You know, I was kind of, I failed, I think every grade and was just kind of passed through because of (laughs) I was a bit of a pain in the ass to deal with. And so I think that it's kept a little bit of that. Anything's possible alive where you didn't have people going like, wow, well, this isn't practical. And I, I, I was never kind of made to stand in this line of practicality uh, based on really what's fear, right? I mean, it's people are afraid of failing. So they take jobs that they hate. Nah, I've never had to do that. So for that, I'm super thankful. And also, I think that it keeps me longing for those things, which is what I write about. The way back is literally about that. You know, it's about, I can go back, but I can't go home because it's, my home's different now. My, the house I grew up in is not there and the people that I grew up in aren't there and the people that I grew up around, you know, they're all, they're all in jobs and it's, you can go back, but you can't, you can't necessarily go home. And so it's the way back is really trying to find that path of I'm still the same, but everything around me has changed, you know? So
0: where does back before I knew you fit in?
1: I think back before I knew you is really, although it it sounds like it's written about one person, I think it's a handful of people. There's one in there that got away. There's one in there that uh, stayed too long. (laughs) And there's one in there that I wish hadn't happened at all. You know, when you're saying, you know, back before I knew you, I wanted you. You know, I needed you, girl, but back before I knew you were mine, I I couldn't wait to, you know, be with you. I couldn't wait to be around you. Those kinds of things, I think, lend itself to the person that nothing ever went any further than just the exterior of an acquaintance. As the song goes on a little more, it's like, oh, okay, well, back before I knew you were gone, you know, I still felt a certain way about you. And then there's one where, I wish I could go back before I knew you.
0: When people come see a Jeremy McComb in concert, what should they expect?
1: Well, my thing has always really been connecting with an audience. So I tell a lot of stories. You know, I was on the Blue Collar Comedy Tour for four and a half years, tour managing Larry the Cable Guy and writing all those comedy songs and the movie soundtracks. And what I really took from that was putting together stories and telling stories. So every song kind of has a story and there's a lot of humor involved. And it's one of those things where I like to get to know the people that are standing in front of you. Uh, So when we come back through town, it doesn't feel like you're just going to see a show. It feels like you're going to see a friend and, and getting to know people and making new friends and seeing how people connect with the music. So it's a lot of storytelling. It's a lot of charmingly off color banter and uh, hopefully some great music.
0: Jeremy, which song of yours touches you on a level that no one can understand?
1: I've got a song that's coming out called every road and I wrote it by myself it's been a while since I put out a song that I wrote totally by myself and it's every road doesn't lead home anymore. And it's about the innocence that, you know, you could, um, you know, when you watch the wonder years, the, the Kevin and Winnie experience of growing up and every road are those things that we start to understand as we grow up, where we start to realize our dad's not a superhero. Our dad's not the strongest guy in the world, you know, like, you're a kid and you see your dad flex, you go, Oh my gosh, my dad has the biggest muscles in the world. You realize he's a human and he's made mistakes. And all those things as you're growing up, those transformative things where you start to see the strings behind the curtain a little bit. And you realize that, man, the real world can kind of hurt you out here. It's the song to me that, that, you know, I'm sure that I'll have to explain, but I'll never be able to go fully in depth on it just because of, how deep that one goes so it's one i'm really really proud of and i can't wait for everybody to hear it
0: okay jeremy it's time for the Rocky eight eight random questions answer with the first thing that comes to your mind there is absolutely no pressure you got it who are your top three country musicians of all time
1: oh man otis redding i don't know if people all agree with me that otis redding is country but he is to me willie nelson And uh, I would say Jim Croce, even though he'd probably fall into folk music, but Jim Croce. Do
0: you remember your first guitar you ever owned? And do you still have it?
1: Uh, I had an electric harmony. I do not have it anymore. Uh, I wish I did, but uh, it was an electric harmony guitar. I currently now have uh, the same guitar on the road with me that has been out with me for 20 years It's a uh, Taylor 614 that is uh, the mistress in my life.
0: Where's your favorite place in the Northwest?
1: You know, Post Falls, Idaho is where I grew up. North Idaho and Western Montana are the two most beautiful places in America. We have a little hideaway that we go to in Phillipsburg, Montana. That's probably the place that that hits the hardest when I get back up there.
0: Jeremy, what was the first tattoo you got?
1: Oh, God, it was a terrible um, tribal tattoo. It was very small. Went on my bicep. I was part of the tribe in the 90s that had $150. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Better than a trap stamp. What was the last TV series you binge
1: watched? Oh, um, well, I so Deadliest Catch. I've watched it since the very first episode. Uh, it's my all-time favorite show. I watch it nonstop. Uh, the other one, though, I watched it with my wife, was The Flight Attendant, which is pretty good. Who's your favorite action movie hero? Favorite action movie hero? Oh, <sighs> Bruce Willis and anything.
0: (laughs) Jeremy, do you bite your nails?
1: Yes. Yeah, it's a terrible habit. And and I don't really realize I'm doing it. It, I don't know if it comes from stress or where it comes from, but uh, I do bite my nails.
0: Okay, Jeremy. Who is your first celebrity crush on? And you can't say your wife.
1: Uh, Kate Hudson.
0: Very nice.
1: Still also. Yeah. I think Kate Hudson.
0: It's time for the back half with Jeremy McComb, Beyond the Mic, Nashville North was the place where you got your music career started. How yeah. is it a musical center for you?
1: Um, well, it was my high school experience. You know, I didn't go to high school. I, I dropped out, went on the road uh, as a young man. And and so I, I played at this big honky-tonk in the Northwest on the weekends, and we toured during the week. And it was called Kelly's back then. It's where I met Larry the Cable Guy. It's where I met so many of my lifelong friends. And... When we had heard that it was just sitting there empty and vacant, man, it just kind of broke my heart. And I felt like, you know, me and my best friend got to talking. It was like, why don't we make something amazing in our hometown again? Cause it it was really struggling, you know, Post Falls, Idaho was really struggling when it came to music and a venue for art. Uh, it, it just wasn't very good. And so we wanted to create, um, take all the the good things I've seen on the road and put it together with all the things that Kelly's used to be and just kind of make it this uh, really cool place for Nashville to come to town. And so we named it Nashville North and we've been up there eight years now. And I've got my friend Morgan Wade there this week who she's exploded. And we've had everybody from Luke Combs on the night where he had his first number one to, Morgan Wallen to Morgan Wade. And it's uh, it's really been an incredible place.
0: How did you meet your wife, Courtney? And when did you know she was the
1: one? Oh man. So meeting my wife was an incredible experience for me. I I was on a radio tour. I was getting ready to shoot a music video for a song I had called this town needs a bar, the love interest in the music video was actually Riley Keough, which is Elvis Presley's granddaughter. Yeah. Um, I was very excited about that. Cause I knew that there was a kissing scene and Riley Keough is beautiful. And I was like, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> I get to kiss Elvis's granddaughter. Are you kidding me? Yes. Riley ended up getting the cover of a, a like Vogue or something. And it was on the day that we were shooting the video. And so no. her folks, I know they called and they were like, Hey, she's not gonna be able to make it. We need to reschedule it. We couldn't reschedule. So, uh, Roman white, the director was like, Hey, I'm looking for another girl. Let me know if anybody comes to mind that literally that morning I went in and visited uh, KJJY in Des Moines, Iowa, where my wife was working on the morning show. And I walked in and saw her. She was not my wife at that time. And I walked in and I was like, who are you? She goes, uh, I work at the radio station. I said, there's no way because people who work at the radio station look like me, not like you. And <laughs> uh, thanks, uh, sorry about that, <laughs> but we all know it. We all know it.
0: We marry up. That's what we do.
1: We marry up people and right. Cause I, at heart, I'll be honest, man, at heart, brother, I'm a radio guy. I started a radio. It's my favorite thing in the world to do. And I asked her if she would be interested in, in doing a music video. And she said, she actually had a degree in, in acting and drama from Drake. And so she did the video. And then I talked her into staying, uh, staying in Nashville for, uh, you know, The next 14 years.
0: (laughs) And she ends up in television herself.
1: Yeah, she um, she ended up getting the role as Emily in the TV show Nashville. And she was on that show for the entire run, you know, of a huge hit TV show playing Hayden Panettiere's best friend. And then uh, she started doing the Hallmark Christmas movies, which she's been doing. And um, she has lots of amazing stuff coming up, which I can't totally talk about yet. But she's just incredible. And somehow, 14 years later, everything just keeps getting better.
0: Jeremy, you're the dad of a rescue dog, Montana. Why are dogs important to you?
1: Oh, you know, they just somehow heal the soul, don't they? Yes, they do. My wife had a cat named Danny, named after John Travolta, right, in Greece. And then she had a, a, a pug named Presley, which my wife's a huge Elvis fan. And um, then we had a dog together named Emmy Lou, who all three of them have since uh, passed away. And we were going to wait a little while to get another dog in Montana just kind of fell into our lap. So she's out on the road. She's the best damn road dog we've ever had. She absolutely loves being on the bus. She's eight months old. She's nuts. And, uh, man, it's just, You know, your house just feels empty uh, without a dog in it.
0: Who are the musicians that you listened to growing up that molded the way you are as a musician today?
1: Man, there's such a long line of it. It starts at like five years old for me, the Irish Rovers. Man, I would listen to their record, Tales to Warm Your Mind, over and over and over and over. And then it went to Storytellers and went to the Marshall Tucker Band, and went to Charlie Daniels. And then I discovered Otis Redding and Jim Croce and the storytelling thing. And then I remember... You know, 90s country music being such a huge thing for, you know, anybody my age, Garth Brooks and those guys who all came up. But then I remember hearing this dude, Sean Mullins, he had a song called Lullaby, gigantic hit, but it was like this folk, country, pop kind of a thing. And Lullaby on that record was a great song, but it wasn't the best song on the record. It was just the only one that got played on the radio. And so I fell in love with that album. And I heard that he played at this place called Eddie's Attic in in Atlanta. And it was a storyteller place. And I didn't even know that you could do that for a living. I, I thought everything had to be this big, huge production and, you know, Garth Brooks and all that. I didn't know you could just be a storyteller and, and travel. And then it opened my eyes to Marty Stewart and Guy Clark and Pat Green and, you know, Troubadours. And that's really when I fell in love with the storytelling aspect. And so there's too many to name, but Sean Mullins uh was the guy that that kicked open the doors in my brain for guys like guy clark and chris christopherson to to walk in
0: on the road for over 180 plus days a year what's the one thing you only know how to do right when you get home
1: oh um in in my opinion or my wife's opinion (laughs) man i love to mow grass as dumb as that sounds uh, I love to mow my yard and I get the lines perfect and then I mow it the opposite way. So it crisscrosses it. You know, it's like that weird guy thing, right? I put my headphones in, I listen to whatever I want to listen to, or I listen to a podcast or a book or whatever, the radio, and then I love to cook. And so on the bus, I cook for all the guys. Uh, when we have the whole family out, I cook for everybody, but being at home, being able to cook for your kids and I would have to say pancakes on Saturday morning. That's that's where I really shine.
0: Jeremy, how did the pandemic help or hurt your writing? Um, I think it helped it in a
1: way that it just made me stop. Just made me stop doing everything else I've been doing. You know, it made I I couldn't book shows for our club anymore. I couldn't tour the way we wanted to tour. Everything was getting shut down, and so it forced me to watch a lot of. I mean, it forced me to watch a lot of shows again. I went back and I watched the wonder years and i'm i watched all these shows that used to inspire me and i watched a lot of youtube videos of people performing and listening to songs again that i hadn't listened to forever and so i think it just forced me to slow down like just come off the road and look at what was around me and appreciate you know what was around me and i think that was the biggest help
0: now 13 steps is one of my favorite of your songs thank you how easy is storytelling for you
1: um You know, it comes really natural. It's something that I I work harder at probably than anything. I study a lot of comedy. I study a lot of crowd connection and, and storytelling type of things. And so being able to put a story to, like, for instance, 13 Steps, I can play 13 Steps, and it seems to go over really well. But when you tell the story behind it about getting a private tour of Folsom Prison, and the way that the prison felt and smelled and all the experiences and, and put it in there with like a little funny twist of, you know, my little scrawny redneck kid walking through uh, the yard with 1200 inmates out there and a guy blowing me a kiss. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know? It's an experience, right? And so people go, oh God. And I think it just invests people in the song when they go, wow. And obviously I never want to do it to the effect where it slows people's own stories down where. I want people to make their own stories to these songs, but in certain songs, like 13 steps, when you know the backstory, I think I'm, it makes it even better. So it, uh, it really is something I work hard at.
0: Who's the one person that you dream of working with?
1: Oh man. Sean Mullins. Really? I mean, Sean Mullins, Matt Nathanson, Ben Rector, love those guys. Um, you know, it's, I've been so fortunate to be able to work with so many people I've always dreamed of working with. <laughs> You know Rodney Crowell. God, there's just so many. And you know, normally Willie Nelson would be at the top of that list when it came to working with somebody. And, and I think that if I had just a dream, okay, you got one collaboration with somebody, I think it'd be with Willie.
0: What's one thing people don't know about you?
1: I don't know. Um, I'm a blue belt in jujitsu, and uh, I practice a philosophy called stoicism pretty heavily. of just living in the present and trying to stay exactly where you are and not stressed about things in the future or the past. So I think I'm a pretty, um, I go pretty deep into the philosophy thing to kind of rule my life.
0: Where can people find out more information on you and your tour?
1: Uh, best place you can find me, jeremymacomb.com. If you're on Facebook, it's Music, or uh, on Instagram at Over. That's right. M C C O M B. McComb over O V E R. And some of these things are like a lost luggage. You'll get them in a couple days, but yeah, Instagram, uh, Jeremy McComb as well.
0: It's time for one big question with a comb over that is country music star, Jeremy McComb beyond the mic. Jeremy, where are you on the way back? And when will you know when
1: you get there? Oh, that's a great question. I think, I think I'm finally on the way you know i think i'm finally on the path i I, it took a i think it took a a failed marriage a long time ago i think it took getting over a lot of the insecurities and the ego and all the things that i have that pull us all down and, and take us all away from where we're trying to get to and so i feel like i am on that path i don't know if i'll ever get there but i can see it off in the horizon and i know that i'm on the right path and so as, as long as I can kind of keep the uh, destination in mind, the, sa- the winds will always be favorable, right? I think it's when we're aimlessly drifting. No wind is favorable. So I, I think as long as we have the sails up and, and our eyes on the horizon, I think we're going to be okay.
0: He was influenced by the Irish Rovers, picked up his wife at a radio station, and he bites his nails. <laughs> the Way Back is his latest album. Jeremy Wilcomb is on the road to a city near you. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us today.
1: Thank you so much, man. It means so much. And uh, I owe you a beer, a cup of coffee or something.
0: And that, my friends, I'll take my whiskey neat, is Beyond the Mic. <laughs> yeah.